Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I had really put God and confined the movement of God in my life really into a box. And so I just kind of prayed and was like, God, I know if you want me to feel your presence and hear your voice, I can. And then immediately was just completely overcome by the presence of God. The only thing I could think of was I need to find a pen and paper. I need to find a pen and paper. I found this little notebook in the van and just started writing. And I had no idea what I was writing. I was just writing. And then I would look back and read what I wrote. And it was the answer to anything I was confused about in the Bible or in the Christian faith. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we take you to a music festival where Karen Hunt caught up with a drummer, David Puckett, and found out about his life and his spiritual journey. David is from the US and grew up in a musical Christian family, but he became complacent over time and lacked a personal faith in Jesus. It was while he was on the road and travelling in a band that God started to work in his life. Once again, our guest today is drummer David Puckett, chatting with Karen Hunt, and he begins by telling about his childhood. My sister and my parents and I, and we always had some dogs around, and we went to a small church and had community there that we lived pretty close to, and just kind of did uh, just the normal thing out there, I guess. My dad teaches music for a living, and uh, would play music at the church, and my mom is a wonderful singer and would sing at our church, and uh, she works at a police station as like the secretary, and my sister was an unbelievably talented musician and went to college for that, and, and then I came out and picked up the one instrument that none of them were playing to kind of balance it off. <laughs> so drums was it from the very beginning? Yeah, I've got um, I got my first drum set when I was seven, um, and before that, my parents have pictures of me from when I was two or three, setting up pots and pans in the kitchen and grabbing wooden spoons and hitting them with those. It's always been something that I've been drawn to, and then has been something I've been able to do professionally now for five years, four or five years. So when you left high school, mm-hmm. did you get straight into music? Yeah, I uh, as as soon as I graduated high school, when I was still in high school, actually, uh, the first band that I, I uh, started touring with, um, we were all seniors in high school and one of us was graduated and we were working out our first record contract with uh, a pretty big label that we all grew up, you know, listening to bands that were signed to that label and whatnot and we signed right after we got out of high school and then a few months later went to record our first full length and a few months after that went on our first tour and did a lot of DIY, do-it-yourself touring for a long time where you just kind of have to book as many shows as you can on your own and hope that people come and normally people don't and did that and started to, to build a fan base and I was with that band for from when we started in, in 2006 up until I left the band in late 2010. So why did you leave? Well, I got saved, is like the blanket statement, and to go more in-depth into that, I was um, born and raised in a Christian home. Um, so at the age of six, I prayed the quote-unquote salvation prayer at Vacation Bible School, and when I was little, was very spiritual and was very active in pursuing Jesus, and as I grew up and, and was, was pressured just by society, there wasn't really a good model of what second grader uh, who's a Christian, there's not really a good model for that, or wasn't in my church, and my church was going through a lot of changes, and there wasn't really anyone to actively kind of disciple me and pour into me, and I just kind of became apathetic, but still had the mindset of, well, I prayed the prayer, so I'm so I'm a Christian. Um, and that was really, that was the crux, that was the absolute pinnacle of my faith, was I prayed this prayer once, so I guess that means I'm a Christian, and well, I don't do drugs, and I don't have sex, and I don't drink, and so I guess, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, because Christians don't do those things. 
And that was my life. That was, you know, I don't do these things, but there's nothing really different about me other than other than every other kid. My heart is still far from Jesus. So that took you through your childhood years, but also your teenagers. Yeah, I was I was up that way up until um, I think when I turned 18, I, I was in a really rough place in life, just mentally and struggling a lot with depression and, and a huge lack of hope and just kind of explored my options. And, you know, I had that kind of that foundation of the Bible and, and, and of knowing who Jesus was intellectually to an extent, um, but spiritually had no acknowledgement of it. And so I started to kind of explore my options and looked at a lot of different areas in life, different religions, different philosophical thoughts, um, atheism, being agnostic, just kind of looked over everything. And though I always had, I always knew that God was there intellectually and, and professed that, my relationship with him was still that I prayed this prayer once. Um, and so when you look through scripture, there's something that I believe the modern day church doesn't really like to talk about that much. Um, at least in America. Maybe it's not the same over here. Uh, but in America, it's it's very, God is for you, which is absolutely true, but in a very skewed way in which God wants you to feel good all the time, which in reality isn't the case at all. Looking back at my life in hindsight from where I'm at now, I believe wholeheartedly with everything in me, and I believe Hebrews 12, 26 will testify to this, that in God's relentless pursuit of you, that in God's relentless pursuit of people and bringing him back to him, he will absolutely hand them over to the fleshly and selfish desires that they have and let their life become miserable and, un and uncomfortable to completely break them down to nothing in hopes and in, in the knowledge that he has that in that moment when there's nothing else left, honestly, out of selfish ambition, we will try God to see if it really works. And out of his goodness and mercy, he will bless us and stand us up on our own two feet again to put it into perspective. Not only is he for me, but also I'm still a sinner. And regardless of how blessed my life is and how comfortable my life is, I need salvation. And so that's kind of what happened in my life was when I hit 18 and got out of high school, I started doing the touring thing. And touring for many, many years is you work at a terrible job when you're home and you work as hard as you can to save up money. So when you go on tour, you can feed yourself because you don't make money. You lose money when you, when you start out touring. It's, it's a big investment and there's no one coming out to your shows. You're happy if 10 kids are there and normally it's four or five and you don't really know where gas money's coming from and you just have to put a lot of money into it. And then you go back home and work at the job that you hate and do all of this. And it just becomes this endless cycle of, of hopelessness, really, that then seeps into every other area of, of your life. Um, and the biggest thing behind that for me was I didn't have a purpose behind it. It was, you know, I like playing drums and I want to do this for myself. Uh, and there was no end goal. There was nothing benefiting the world, benefiting other people from that. And so depression set in because my friends that I went to school with and grew up with were going to college and talking about what their careers were going to look at. Now I'm going to start a job making 75000 a year, 80000 a year, 90000 a year, 30000 a year, whatever it was. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to keep trying this and hopefully I'll, I'll hit it somehow. I mean, was in a terrible relationship. And, and really what I realized is that I had built my identity and every aspect on my life on this vision that I had for myself that I deemed was good, that in fact was terribly destructive for me. And so the Lord didn't, you know, show up in my room one night and give me this divine revelation and, and a vision and experience. He let me do those things until I realized I was miserable. And then I was like, well, I have this Bible, so I guess I'll start reading it and see what happens. And it was in that moment that the Lord captured my heart. It was when I was touring with my, with the first band that I was touring with, and we had, um, we had our merch guy slash tour manager who was, who was a Christian, who was, you know, 
I found out later on spent so much time praying for me just in his quiet time um, and would just try to encourage me to read and pray and whatnot. And I was just like, oh, I used to cuss a bunch. Eventually, you know, he wore me down and I tried it out. And there was one other guy in our band who, who was a Christian and we were kind of going through this together and figuring life out together. And the other three guys are still some of my dearest friends to this day, but just weren't on the same page as that. Um, and so when I hit, there's probably a six to eight month period of me pursuing these things. And I had an interest in uh, the things of God and I had a spiritual interest and it fascinated me. And I was reading the Bible and I was um, experimenting with prayer more and engaging God and, and was growing, but I still wasn't safe. You know, I was in this kind of prepositional grace of God where he and his mercy and his grace was giving me desires for him. And so I was in that place and still wasn't saved. And it was interesting enough. It was after my old band played a show with Four Today. We'd been friends with the Four Today guys for years. I'd known Maddie for six years at that point from different local bands because he lived in Michigan and I lived in Ohio, which are states that are connected. And we played a, a one-off show with them. Maddie and I just sat and caught up and talked for a while and just looked through the Bible together. And later on that night, we had like a three and a half hour drive back to um, Ohio, back to where we were from. And I was uh, reading the Bible in the back of our van and realized growing up in church that I had been around a lot of people who had had experiences with God. They had been overcome by the, the presence of God and had heard the voice of God or felt the presence of God in, in a very manifest way or operated in the gifts of the Spirit that Paul talks about frequently in the New Testament and all these things. And I always had this mindset of, oh, that can happen to them, but that's just not for me. You know, I just prayed the prayer. So I'm safe, but that's just not for me. And it was just this this moment where the Lord so opened my eyes to where it's like, no, that absolutely is for me. That is what I'm called to. And realized that through my unbelief and my doubt, I had really put God and confined the movement of God in my life really into a box. And so I just kind of prayed and was like, God, I know if you want me to feel your presence and hear your voice, I can. And then immediately was just completely overcome by the presence of God and heard the voice of God for the first time and had the only thing I could think of was I need to find a pen and paper. I need to find a pen and paper. I found this little notebook in the van and just started writing. And I had no idea what I was writing. I was just writing. And then I would look back and read what I wrote. And it was every question that I'd had that I'd been asking God. And it was every... Um, the answer to anything I was confused about in the Bible or in the Christian faith was literally written out in, in front of my eyes through me. Um, and I still have that notebook back at home and still look back and, and read through it every every few weeks. And so I had this crazy experience that, that really, I believe it was in that moment that I completely got saved and, and completely surrendered my life. So this was on a drive? This was on a drive. From Michigan? From, uh, I believe it was Indiana okay. to Columbus, Ohio. So with a three-hour three drive three with... Hour. With five other guys in the van that had no idea what was going on. Wow. <laughs> it was a little odd because all of a sudden, you know, I'm just reading quiet one moment and the next moment I'm crying and laughing and demanding a pen and paper somewhere and ripping through the van trying to find it. And they're just like, what the heck is happening right now? And uh, after, you know, a few hours of me doing that and I kind of collected myself, I explained to them what was going on. And Nick, the guy who had been praying for me, was just so excited about it. And Josh, the guy who was kind of going through this early spiritual formation with me, was so excited about it and hopped on board. And the other guys were like, man, that's awesome. But they didn't really understand what was going on. You're listening to The Story. Today, David Puckett is chatting with Karen Hunt at a music festival and sharing his life journey. We just heard how God got a hold of his heart and how his faith began to grow deeper. Next, we'll hear how God is using him in the music scene. Back with more soon.
the story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with drummer David Puckett at a music festival he was performing at. Before the break, we heard how David's faith life grew deeper after having been complacent for several years. Now we're going to find out how God is using him to be salt and light to the people he meets, both in and out of the music scene. So I still toured in that band for a while after I got saved, and for Josh and I, it became our avenue of ministry. It was no longer about us just wanting to play music. God redeemed that in our lives and was like, you know, not only am I going to allow you to keep that passion and that talent and um, that enjoyment for what you're doing, but I'm going to put divine purpose behind it um, and really give you a calling in that area. And so touring for the next... um, year and a half with that band looked like for Josh and I, we're just going to go and, uh, and invest in these kids. We're passionate about this music scene. We're passionate about the kids and the men and the women that are coming out to these shows. And our hearts are breaking for the the lukewarm Christianity that seeped its way into our church, really. this I prayed the prayer so I'm saved because that's where Josh and I both got saved from. He grew up a pastor's kid and it was the same thing for him. And so that was our avenue of ministry, whatever it looked like, whether it was going outside after the show and preaching in the street or whether it was just hanging out with kids and whether it was praying for them or or whatever. It just became a way for us to to really hear the voice of God in that moment and, and in a day-to-day life and act accordingly to that and, and at the same time growing so much deeper in our walk with Him. And what ended up happening was it got to a point where the other half of the guys in the band were on board for a while and were kind of like, yeah, that's cool and it got to a point where they started to go in a different direction. You know, the music industry offers you drugs. It's easy to get women. It's easy to get those things if you really want it. And as terrible as it is, it's true. There's no accountability and there's no there's no one to tell you that's a bad idea. And so at this point it became kids don't look at your band or, or your ministry or your unit as an individual. They look at it as one thing. And so from the kids' perspective, we had two guys in the band praying for us and talking about Jesus and the other three guys were getting drunk and talking to all these girls and so now it's sending them a message of I can have Jesus and do those things and so we had a really close friend who came out to one of our shows and talked to us about that and the way he put it was uh, you know Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth and so if I have salt now I want to put some salt on my eggs and I eat breakfast in the morning if a bunch of salt falls out of this salt container and two grains of salt out of all the salt I thought of two grains of salt still have their flavor and the rest don't am I going to taste it absolutely not And he just kind of blatantly rebuked us and was like, and that's what your ministry is becoming. He's like, I believe in you and Josh and I support you and I back you 100% and I know your hearts. But because of the people that you're running with and the environment that you're in, the fact that you're operating as a unit with these other people, your ministry is not being as effective here as it once was and as it could be. Um, And so at that point, Josh and I prayed and felt led to quit the band. And so we finished up the remainder of the tour that we were on and finished up a, a few shows that we had booked after that and and left. Praise God for the boldness yes. of that gentleman. Yeah, absolutely. He's still one of my very close friends and he's one of the boldest dudes I know and I have so much respect for him. So now for today, mm-hmm. getting hooked in with Maddie and the guys there, yeah. how did that come about? Uh, well, my the band that I was in had toured with for today. Um, 
I believe once and played a bunch of one-offs with him. And so we developed, you know, like I said, I, I was Maddie, friends with Maddie before he was in Four Today and before I was in that band. Um, and so we had that already laid out and getting to tour with him and, and play shows with him. He just started to uh, develop friendships with the guys. And then um, our guitarist, Sam, used to play in a different band. And after I quit my band, I did merch for his band. So I was working for him. And we toured with Four Today again and played more shows with them again and deepened those relationships. And um, then I felt pressed by the Holy Spirit to just quit touring altogether. And so I did. Um, and I was just doing full-time youth ministry at my church and uh, working at Starbucks and trying to figure life out. Am I going to go to college? Am I going to uh, move to Kentucky with my sister and farm? Am I going to just try and continue to work at Starbucks and get a management position here and do whatever? Am I just going to keep doing youth ministry at my church full-time or whatever? Just trying to figure out what I'm doing in life and was getting general vision and then um, was doing that for about a year and a half, working towards a lot of things that I had planned out. And Let me ask, when you say my church, is it the same church that you grew up in? It's not the same church I grew up in. The church I grew up in, years later, found out that it was a pretty destructive church. There was a lot of things going on behind the scene that were very unbeneficial, a very not biblical at all, a lot of compromise and a lot of sin, especially in the leadership that was tolerated and never approached. Not in the sense of someone struggling and we're going to surround them and work through that, but it was someone is having an affair on their wife and the pastor was well aware and never did anything. And so my family left and started going to a church called Vineyard that we went to for a while. And when my parents quit making me go to church, I quit going to church because at that point I hadn't been caring about it for years. I got saved and started going to like a charismatic black and Latino church. Um, so it, it wasn't Pentecostal. I like the was, sound of that. Yeah, exactly. It's great. So I was, you know, the scrawny white kid with tattoos with, you know, a bunch of just like the, the black and Latino culture, just very charismatic, very energetic, very excited about the things of God and was there for years and still love that church. And the best teaching I've ever heard in my life is from that church. And um, I still consider the pastor my spiritual father. I still meet with him when I can. And But there wasn't like a peer community at that church. It was me and, and one or two other people my age and around their 20s. There were some high schoolers and, and some middle schoolers that I was involved with teaching. And there were a lot of people in the older generation to learn from. But there, there wasn't anyone um, to run with me communally, I guess. And so I ended up going back to Vineyard. There's a service that's just for people in around their 20s called Joshua House, and I'm plugged in there full time um, and do youth ministry there for, like, there still, and absolutely love the church that I was at for so long. It's called Eagle Rock. I would not be the man that I am without, you know, the. Uh, the pastoring there from, from Pastor Les and Pastor Sheila and all the community there, but got to a point in my faith where it was just, I need the peer community to run with that that church just didn't have right now. Okay, David, you mentioned just before about your tattoos, mm-hmm. the white skinny kid with the tats. <laughs> you kind of stood out a bit, hey? Right, yeah, a little bit. Uh, in a world where it was just... Uh, you know, people at this church had been, uh, the church is 17 years old now, and a lot of the people that were at that church were families that helped plant the church and found the church. And so, <laughs> out of nowhere, there's this church that, that is very multicultural. There was also like a, like a biker gang at the church, and so it was just very different culturally, and I loved it. And some of my friends and I just kind of stood out as the three or four kids that were just not what they had had before and they just embraced us and loved it and just rejoiced in us and what we had to offer and 
It was different. It was amazing. And I believe that that's exactly what the kingdom is like, multi-generational and, and multicultural. And I believe that's what church should be like. What are your hopes and goals now with the band, but more so for you yourself personally? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I think faithfulness is very often improperly defined in Christianity or in the church in a few ways. But but I guess in this context, and, and what do I want Forte to accomplish? Honestly, the same thing that we've been doing. And I want us to increase in that. But I think a lot of people will look at, at faithfulness. And if, if you're like a type A personality person who, when you know something you should do, you want it done yesterday, and you beat yourself up when you're not accomplishing it and whatnot, it's easy to start defining faithfulness as focusing on what's next and mentally locking that down. And really, you're taking your eyes off of what you're called to in that moment and in that day and what, what the Lord's calling you in that moment. And so we, we have a very simple structure of we spend time in, in Bible study and in prayer together before the show each day and, and really listen to what the Lord, we believe the Lord's saying that day. And, and that's what Maddie preaches from stage. And honestly, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as listening to the voice of God in that moment and being obedient to it. And so sometimes it's right after he set, you just tear down and, and you just thank God that you had an opportunity to play a show. And then that's it. And other times it's you go in the back and you just pray for these kids and pray for the Holy Spirit to move. And other times you just go out and hang out with kids. And other times you go out and you pray for kids. And other times you go out and, you know, you might preach to the crowd and whatever. Regardless of what it looks like, faithfulness is being defined as just listening to the voice of God and acting accordingly to it. And so that's what For Today sets out to do as, as a ministry and as a unit and as, as a group is is do that daily and not get so focused on, well, what's the Lord going to be doing tomorrow? Or how is he shifting the atmosphere in this way? Or look at what he did then, but what's he doing now? How can we work with him now? How does he want us to co-labor with him now? I think that's how faithfulness is defined. Being obedient in a constant posture of having your ear open to the voice of the Lord and just wanting to work with him and, and draw closer to him in that way. For you personally, you're not working at Subway or you are? No. Um, I teach drums at home, mostly just because I, I just love doing it. I just love drumming and I have a lot of students that are six or seven and have no idea what they're doing and it's so much fun to just sit and, and teach them drums and just really so into their passion for it. But we all have uh, are very plugged in and not just plugged in, but very active in church communities. And so I do full-time youth ministry at my church when I'm home and I'm on the worship team and I meet with pastors that, that hold me accountable and, and push me in the faith and all the other guys do the same thing at their church. We all live in different states, so none of us go to the same church, but we all have churches that kind of are behind us and behind our ministry and send us out. And so not working when we're home opens time for us to just volunteer that time to the church. I have a lot of vision for what youth ministry at my church is looking like and how how that's shifting and so for me personally that's where a lot of my time is spent when I'm home is is really sewing into the the youth at our church the high schoolers the middle schoolers and at the same time being poured into and pouring into people in my peer community and and being poured into and learning from the older generation at my church who are far wiser than I am and have more life experience that uh, that can offer me a lot of wisdom mate thanks so much for your time I appreciate chatting and God bless you as you continue in all that you're doing thank you so much for having me it was an honor that was Karen Hunt chatting with drummer David Puckett about his life journey and spiritual growth. As we heard, once David began to grow in his personal relationship with Jesus, it made all the difference in his life. He began to look at music as a ministry and a way to reach out to others with the love of Jesus. As the Bible says, you are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Well, thanks for joining us for David's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. 
And my wife tells me that one by one, all of the organs were shutting down. Come around 4, 4.30 that afternoon, everything had shut down. You know, kidneys had failed, everything had basically shut down. And blood pressure was at such a low, uh, the surgeon Lee Rutherford was speaking to my wife and my youngest son and saying to them that uh, your father has got uh, 20 minutes to live. Despite growing up in a Christian home, Wayne Marshall thought he didn't need God. That changed when he faced esophageal cancer and complications after surgery that would puzzle his doctors. We'll find out how prayer helped him overcome the impossible next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.